Welcome to The Time Is Now. I'm your host, Michael Stafford. Welcome this week. Got a lot to talk about, so let's go. The NBA Finals are all set. Can the Lakers take the heat? Speaking of the NBA, Ballmer needs a different prescription from Doc. The Falcons bringing a new meaning to the Dirty Bird. Man, they looking bad. But first, let's talk about my homeboys versus Action Jackson and Monday Night Football last night. So sit back, relax, and I'll see you on the other side. All right, guys, let's start here. Monday night football last night was exciting, but it was kind of one-sided. Even though the game ended as it did, it was actually not even as close as it may appear. Patrick, my homeboy, my homeboy versus Action Jackson went down last night. And man, Patrick Mahomes just going ahead and proving to everyone why he is that guy. I mean, we have a lot of guys playing well this year, but Patrick Mahomes just seems like he can do no wrong, doing no-look passes, throwing it to everybody on the field, even the O-line got a taste. So, I mean, Patrick Mahomes lit him up for 385 passing yards and four touchdowns, equating for over 47 fantasy points. I mean, early on. Early on in the first half, they were leading, what, 27 to 10? It was just a route. They just had a little dull off in the third quarter, but Patrick Mahomes just destroying Action Jackson, who finished with only 97 passing yards and 15 fantasy points. And he was a leading rusher as well to still equate to that 15 passing points. So that lets you know how much of a porous game that it really, really was. It, it wasn't much really to talk about besides the fact that to see the dominance of that of Patrick Mahomes, he's just in another stratosphere right now. I mean, I, I can't see anyone really, really giving him a hard chance. I thought the battle of the two undefeateds with um, with with the Ravens going up against the Chiefs would have been something more of a slugfest like we've seen in other matchups, but to no avail. We had a lot of other action this week. I, I'm just going to go straight to it. Chicago and Atlanta. Chicago and Atlanta. How can, once again, Atlanta have a huge lead in the final quarter? Going in the third quarter, with Trubisky starting to just falter in a game looking like it's out of reach. They sub in Nick Foles, and Nick Foles lights them up to go ahead and carry Chicago over Atlanta 30-26. to 26. And now that's two weeks in a row where a team's led by more than two scores in the late quarters to lose the game. I mean, if you go back to a few years, a few years ago when the Dirty Bird, and they really are the Dirty Birds right now, were um, in the Super Bowl against the then Tom Brady New England Patriots. And I remember watching that game. It was literally, I think it was the day before my birthday or the day after, I can't remember. And I was in Orlando, Florida with a bunch of friends watching that game. And I was telling them, I said, something doesn't feel right. And they came back and beat those boys. Matty Ice had no ice in his veins that day. And you got the same coach, you got the same quarterback, and you got the same wide receiver. You, you still have Julio Jones there. And they continue to do things like this. Their record since that debacle in the Super Bowl is 24 and 26. You have all pro players on that team. The defense, the defense isn't stellar, no. But you have, even now, you have Ridley there as well. Back then, you have Sanu. You have all these weapons, and you still can't get it done. 
I don't see how Dan Quinn makes it through the rest of the season. It's not looking too good for them down in the dirty, dirty. But the, the let's go back to last week. It started with Miami and Jacksonville, all Florida mashup. And Miami put that smack down on them um, with, with Fitzmagic killing Jacksonville 31 to 13. Um, another one, Rams versus Buffalo. Um, Buffalo's leading the whole game. The Rams made a good rally, came back, virtually about to win the game. Then it was a bogus penalty against the Rams and Buffalo. And it was it was a little jam within five yards of each other. You guys are jamming each other, and they threw the they threw the flag on the fourth down. Buffalo comes back down and scores the ball, wins the game, winning, edging out the Rams 35 to 32. And then you have the Houston Texans versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, where Pittsburgh's prevailing 28 to 21. The Las Vegas Raiders against New England Patriots. It was close early, then it got away from them in the second half where Cam Newton just went to work. And that defense and Burkhead and, and the running backs, just Sonny Michelle, they went to town on the Raiders, beating them 36 to 20. The Tennessee Titans versus the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota just can't catch a break. They're still right now, can't scratch, losing to the Tennessee Titans 31 to 30. The Washington team, I'm going to laugh every time I see it. I'm sorry, guys. The Washington team uh, versus the Cleveland Browns. The Browns have all that talent. Uh, still wasn't a good showing out of, um, now I can't remember the quarterback's name. It's just not good enough right now for me to remember. But um, you're not having a good showing out of the quarterback for Cleveland Browns. All I know is he has a lot of commercials, but he's not really performing well. But they still were able to win 34 to 20. Um, based upon their running game. Nick Chubb is really the hero of that story. You have the Bengals versus the the Eagles. <laughs> the first game this season to end in a tie. 23-23 tie between those two horrible teams. Neither team able to scratch it, both 0-2-1. The San Francisco 49ers versus the Giants. Now the Niners having, like I said last week, had all those injuries, but they were still able to just dominate the Giants 36-9, showing why the NFC East is just a Dismal division. You might have a division winner come out of that division with a sub 500 record this season. You heard it here first. Now we have the Carolina Panthers versus the LA Chargers. I will not get used to saying LA Chargers. I'm going to keep thinking San Diego Superchargers. But, anyways, uh, the Carolina Panthers, who are not that good this year, still beat the Chargers 21 to 16. And we have the New York Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. No, they only put up seven points this week as they were routed by the Indianapolis Colts, 36 to seven. The Dallas Cowgirls, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Cowboys versus Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle came back and put a thumping on the Dallas Cowboys, 38 to 31. Russell Wilson throw for five touchdowns, five. He has now put up 14 touchdowns in the first three weeks of the season, just beating Patrick Mahomes' number from a couple of seasons ago, who did 13 in 2018. Russell Wilson is putting in his bid for MVP vote. I think he's never been voted MVP. I don't think he's ever received a vote for MVP. Yeah, Sierra's husband's not feeling that, so he's going for it this year. Next, we have Detroit Lions versus the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals have been looking very good early on, but Detroit needed that win. They went ahead and edged them out 26 to 23. Now we have Tom, Tampa Tom, Tampa Tom, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus those woeful Denver Broncos. Ooh, Denver used to be good back in the days, not no more, because Tampa Bay, Tampa Tom, Tom Brady beat up on them 28 to 10. And then we had Green Bay 
And we had Sunday night football game, Green Bay versus the New Orleans Saints. Great game, start to finish, but then a timely turnover with Hill, quarterback. They took Breeze out the game, put Hill in for a little um, option play and fumbled the ball. Green Bay got the ball back, scored it, game over. Green Bay edges out New Orleans Saints 37-30. to 30. So with all that being said, we get to check the new standings and see how they are to see who's still remaining undefeated. In the AFC East, the Bills, no one, no one, I said no one circles of wagons like the Buffalo Bills. They are leading the AFC East three. Oh, Patriots right behind them, two to one. In the AFC West, we have the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champion Chiefs that are also undefeated, three and oh, with the Raiders next to them. AFC North, we have the Steelers. Previous, the no organization has more Super Bowl titles than the Steelers, and they're right now undefeated 3-0 with the Bengals pulling up the rear in that division. In the AFC South, the Titans. We are the Titans. The mighty, mighty Titans are undefeated 3-0, where the Texans, who got, away, got rid of their best player last season, are still have not scratched. We go to the NFC. Like I said, the NFC West, NFC East, I'm sorry, is the worst division in football period, point blank, as the Washington team and the Cowgirls, I'm sorry, <clears throat> the Cowboys are leading the division with a one and two record. One and two. Let that sink in. Now, the NFC West, which is probably the best division in all of football, the Seahawks are leading that division three and oh, but guess what? The rest of the teams are tied two to one. They all have winning records in the NFC West. I think the Super Bowl champion is going to come out of that division. You heard it here, folks. NFC North, the Bears and the Packers lead that division. Undefeated teams, the Vikings still have yet to scratch. And finally, the NFC South. NFC South is also another tough division, but the Falcons have yet to scratch with the Buccaneers leading that division 2-2-1. Two, two, so, it's been an interesting week in football. Like I said, fantasy-wise, Patrick Mahomes wins the award this week, having the most fantasy points with Russell Wilson right behind him. Um, the top running back this week was Alvin Kamara, who put up north of 30 points, uh, who was the top wide receiver. Our top wide receiver, he also had a good week from Derrick Henry and Burkhead, like I said. Dalvin Cook did a phenomenal job. Nick Chubb as well. The top receiver this week was Justin Jefferson. That is interesting. Out of, uh, out of Minnesota. Wow. Yeah, in a losing effort. Okay, so your top your your top wide receiver was Justin Jefferson. Interesting. Well, good job, kid. So actually, nope, sorry, take that back. Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Tyler Lockett actually had a better week by far, actually, than than him. But but Justin, look out for Justin's on the incline. So we had a very, 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 very interesting week in sports. Okay, so we gotta go ahead and talk about the Stanley Cup. Um Last night, the Tampa Bay Lightning went ahead and won their second overall Stanley Cup, being the first North American um, organized sports team to hoist the banner during COVID season. So congratulations to them winning that series 4-2. to two. Um, they, they were able to hold off the Stars, who tried their best to make a comeback, but then in the end, they couldn't beat them. They just shut them down 2-0 to winning their second their first they won in 2004 then when they're new and now they are the, the most southern franchise to ever win the stanley cup 
All right, guys, we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna get a little word from our sponsors. See you back in a little bit. This show is brought to you by Pure Diamond Auto. With Pure Diamond Auto, they take the dirt out of the car business and make it pure. Pure Diamond Auto has a team of former finance and sales managers who can guide you through all the tricks of the trade. Go to www.purediamondautola.com today and use promo code TIME for a free consultation. That's promo code TIME. That's purediamondautola.com. What can I say? I love PDA. Okay, everybody, this is it. This is my favorite part of the show. This time this week, we acknowledge all of our birthdays this week, so let's go. We have Kevin Durant, KD, is turning 31, two-time NBA champion, two-time NBA finals MVP, just turned 31. We have William Pretty, the volleyball player, just turned 43. We have Kimmy Meisner, figure skater, turning 31. We were kind of short on sports. Let's get some other celebrities. We got Will Smith getting jiggy with it, getting jiggy with it, turning 52, and actress Hilary Duff turning 33. And we got the lovely and talented comedian actress Lily Singh turning 32. And we got T.I., the king. The king just turned 40. And T-Pain, my love of the stripper, turning 35. And Donald Glover. Childish Gambino turning 37. We got Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne also turning 38. And Avril Lavigne turning 36. So shout out to all of our birthdays this week. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to the time is now back to the action in the WNBA. The Connecticut Sun pushed to a decisive game five led by Audrey McCarthy in game four, where she scored 16 of her 29 points in the second half in the third quarter, actually, to push it to a decisive game five versus the Las Vegas Aces. The game will be tonight. 7.30 Eastern Pacific Time, I'm sorry, Eastern Standard Time on ESPN2. Make sure you check them out. Now, on to the NBA. My goodness, what did I tell y'all? See, I'm, Y'all about to get me in my zone. Y'all about to get me in my zone. What did I say? The Lakers are in the finals. Let me talk to y'all for a little bit. Lakers in the finals for the first time in a decade. Last time they were there, they faced the Celtics. Now, I called this whole postseason pretty clear. The only thing I made a mistake on was that I did not believe that the Denver Nuggets were going to go ahead and upset the Clippers. I didn't believe that the Jazz were going to take the Nuggets to seven to begin with, to even be up 3-1. So let's, let's go ahead and give props to the Denver Nuggets right now to come back from 3-1 deficits twice, where the first one was unwarranted. They should not have. But then who could have expected Spider Mitchell to go off like he did back then? Now, to go against the Clippers, 
um, I, I knew on paper they were good. You have people who were battle tested. You had an all-star coaching staff. You got Ty Lue. You got Sam Cassell. You got Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is one of the greatest coaches in the NBA. We'll get to him in a little bit. And they have a 3-1 lead. You have players in the team like Pat Bev and the like and laughing at Dame Dollar and all these guys and just giving them fuel for the fire, thinking they were going to mess it up for the Lakers. Lakers beat them in a gentleman's sweep. And then Lakers go on to Houston and people thought that, oh, Houston has two former league MVPs on the team in their primes. Never happened before. Oh, Lakers going to have a hard time. Lakers had a hard time with small ball when they initiated small ball earlier in the season and they beat up on the Lakers, beating them by almost 20. And I told everyone, this is different. Oh, no, no. Well, they're they going to have a hard time with them. Lakers beat them in a gentleman's sweep. And what happened to the Clippers? The Clippers got sent home in game seven, getting embarrassed. You have playoff P looking like pandemic P, looking like way off P, hitting the side of the backboard. Where was Pat Beverly? I think in game six, didn't he get like, didn't he foul out with like two points? I mean, just embarrassed. I knew something was wrong with that Clipper team when I saw them struggle against a hobbled Dallas Mavericks team in the first round. That was the seventh seed, but I called it. I said Dallas was going to beat them. I did not know. You're going to get some bogus ejection on Chris Dasperzingas. I did not know Chris Dasperzingas would later be uh, injured for the rest of that series. I did not know they're going to do bogus plays against uh, Luka Doncic to have him hobbled as well. As he was hobbled and Chris Dapps was missing a game, I believe this was like game four, they won. I'm like, wait a minute. So that goes to show you, that way, series went six with no Chris Dapps I think Przingis played like two games out of the six. No Chris Dapps and a hobbled Luka and that series still went six. That should have told y'all something. Told you about these Clippers. Clippers going to clip. I'm not a Clippers hater. I just don't like all the vivaciousness and boisterous. And you know what? None of that matters. Fast forward. Niggas take out Denver in a general sweep. People want to give them excuses. Oh, you know, Murray was hobbled and all these different things. You have people like Grant stepping up. They had, the more, they had their own version of Morris over there stepping up. Balling. You had Jokish, the Joker, playing like a man. He's always flopping and playing soft. No. Anthony Davis usually eats his lunch. No. He was playing like a man out there, just backing 80 down like you can't handle it. Giving him some 1983 moves. Okay. It was something to see. But in the end, what did I tell you? They beat those boys in five. So now the Lakers are into the finals. And I called the East. I said Miami was going to beat Milwaukee. Did I think they're going to sweep them? I did not think that. But I saw how Miami played them in the regular season. I've seen Miami all season. I actually believed that Boston Celtics were going to beat Miami. When I forecasted before the, the playoffs began, I called it. I said Lakers versus Celtics. I thought the Lakers were going to beat the, 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 the Clippers by six in, in, in six. And I thought the Celtics were going to go seven against Miami. I called Miami in the Eastern Finals. Checked the records. Called it. 
But Miami shows something that a lot of teams are not showing. They're showing true grit. You know, a lot of sports people like to use that term, grit. They're showing true grit. What does that mean? When Jimmy Butler was bouncing around the league early on and he was in Minnesota, he didn't like the cut of that team's jib. People said he was a locker room cancer. Nobody wanted him. Where's Minnesota right now? They're still trying to figure it out. Those guys just weren't tough. They didn't have the winner's mentality. When he was with the Bulls, similar thing. Where are the Bulls now? Then he goes over to Philadelphia. Stephen A. Smith on ESPN saying, oh, it's better fit. You know, he should have stayed there. Da, da. Jimmy Butler made a comment, made a statement, says, I didn't know who was leading. He saw a team that lacked leadership. It's not that he didn't want to become the leader. He's like, I'm new here. You guys have two all-stars in the team. We have a coach who's supposed to be a good coach coming from the, the Popovich tree. And what? There's no true leadership there. It wasn't even an option. He did not want to resign there. If he wanted to, he was a priority to resign there. Because they were getting inklings and knowing that he was doing fielders for other teams, primarily the Miami Heat where he ended up signing, that's when he went ahead and just said, you know what? Before he even made his decision, they just went ahead and signed Tobias. They couldn't sign one of them. So they signed Tobias Harris. He knew that team was lacking something. And look where they are now as well. Where is he? Where are they? Let's talk about when he went to Miami. What did Jimmy Buckets do? People were making fun of him because he was doing things like getting up at 3 in the morning inside the gym at 4. To all the young guys said, I don't want him to outwork me. So you had this team in the gym before the sun rised for most of the season. That's how they started the season, the first two months of the season, preseason into the regular season. They were in the gym before the sunrise. Lakers do not take them lightly. This team is here. And if you take them lightly, you will look up and be down 3-2. Now, I don't think that's gonna be the case. I, I feel like with the death of Kobe and Gigi, the Lakers have another level of motivation because of the slight that LeBron had to endure all season, calling him the Wash King. And he's too old, 17th season. Oh, he's once again second place to Giannis for MVP or second place for MVP at all for that matter. Actually, he has the record for the most second place MVP votes and LeBron James with four, him and Larry Bird. Have to endure all that. And no one picking them to even win it this year. Max Kellerman, also on ESPN, made a ridiculous statement that I wish I got on air to tell him. The ridiculous statement that he's made, he was so contradictory. People were so stuck on getting the Clippers to the finals that they couldn't even see their own prejudice. He said that the Lakers are too newly formed. There's a lot of new players, a lot of new pieces on that Lakers team. Let's talk about that really, really quick. Rondo's back, LeBron's back, and Kuzman's back. Who else? That whole team is new. Actually, you know what? I think McGee's back one year as well. The rest of that team is all new players. 
but all new coaching staff. No one gave Vogel a chance. They said that Jason Kidd was going to replace him, replace him midseason. They said LeBron's known for doing this and yada, yada. They put so much dirt on this team. Newly formed team, one year, all these bets they put together. They got a guy out of the G League, played a little bit last year under Luke Walton. And look what they're doing. That's the excuse they give the Clippers. Oh, they're newly together. That team was already together. The only new players were Paul George and Kawhi, who were all-stars. And one was two-time final MVP. So that's your excuse? Okay. So, his he said that Lakers are too newly formed. First-year teams usually don't have it. They usually take a year to get together to the next year to come around. However, he didn't say that about the Clippers. Same situation with them. They had new coaching staff, new coaches there, new players and what have you. And... And, and they started adding players late in the year. He said, oh, no, no, but they're going to win it now because Kawhi is that guy. He's the king because he won it last year, even though Kawhi won when there was a hobbled Warriors team. The Warriors would have won if Clay was playing. At the time Clay went down, he was surging, just going ham, and no one could stop him. They couldn't, they had no answers for Clay Thompson, who's not even a top 10 player in the league. I love him, but he's not a top 10 player. And he was killing them, torching them. Which is why I don't have Kawhi in my top five. He's not a top five player. He's overrated. But his Lakers team, this band of misfits, if you will. Nobody wanted Rondo. Nobody wanted Dwight Howard. Nobody wanted Markeith Morris. Nobody wanted Caruso. Nobody wanted these players that are on the team. Nobody wanted McGee, who was a champion, but they're like, oh, they didn't give him props. He came off the bench. Nobody wanted these guys. Nobody wanted Deion Waiters. Nobody wanted J.R. Smith. Look what they're doing. Look what they're forming. People say KCP's overpaid. They have no shooters. KCP was shooting over 40% for the whole season from three. Y'all didn't know that, did you? All oh, their defense isn't that good. Caruso's one of the top three perimeter three-point defenders in the league. Guess who was number one? Avery Bradley, who didn't even make it to the bubble. Our top, our, our starting point guard didn't make it, and Lakers are still beating up on everyone. What's your excuse? I say this, I say the Lakers take them out. I said the Lakers take them out in five. They're going to continue what they've been doing and we'll take those boys out in five. Now let's go on and talk about Doc Rivers, shall we? And his coaching carousel. The Clippers were supposed to be all world, all this, all that. And now that team may implode. They haven't reports. First of all, like I said with Doc Rivers, he was let go just yesterday. He was let go of his duties as the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers after being there for seven seasons. Do you know when he took over for Vinny Del Negro, he didn't even improve the record, I think by like one game, when he originally had Lob City. He were up 3-1 before, years ago with Lob City with Chris Paul and, and uh, 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 DJ and Blake Griffin. And they couldn't get over the hump. They were up 3-1 and blew it back then. With Lob City during the times of Sterling. I think that ghost is still haunting the franchise. I think that's why they're getting rid of him because he's the last remaining factor of those, of those days. 
but Bomber's not playing. It's actually a good sign that they went ahead and made that tough decision because people praise Doc like he's somebody to be idolized, like he's somebody who's really great. And so he won a championship. So what? So did Tyron Lue. And I actually give him more credit, even though it was LeBron and everything. He was the coach. He made the he made the defensive switches. He made adjustments to that finals for them to come back from being down 3-1 the first time ever in history against the best regular season team of all times that go to state warriors team 2016 that won 73 games that season they came down down 3-1 teron lou was a coach and teron lou was he didn't even coach that whole season i think black started the season as a coach first time head coach made an adjustment in the finals and they came back and won what adjustments did Doc Rivers ever make? All he does is scream till his voice is going. He makes no adjustments. He doesn't have any X's and O's. He holds the records for the most 3-1 deficit. Uh, he's up 3-1 to lose. No one's done it. He's done it three times, twice with the Clippers. They had to move on. He did it once before with Orlando Magic. And he had Grant Hill, Hall of Famer, Trace McGrady, Hall of Famer on the team. There was a rumor they were trying to get Tim Duncan back then, but it didn't work out because of the fact that he didn't want to allow uh, uh, family members to charter on the planes. Something stupid like that. And I think, of course, that came back to bite him because Tim Duncan won championships later with the, the, the Spurs. Went to Boston, didn't do that great until they got the big three. Got a thank you from Mikhail, old Celtic, when he was president of operations over there in Minnesota and let Kevin Garnett go for peanuts. Ray Allen signed as a free agent. And what happened? LeBron happened. LeBron said, oh, y'all want to play that way? Because I've been busting Paul Pierce's butt all this time. You want to play that way? Okay, I'm going to form my own big three. And I'm going to go down to Miami with my boy, D-Wade. Ray Allen's like, man, we can't beat those boys. Ray Allen said, I'm going to go down there and join them. So now you got LeBron, D-Wade, Chris Bosh, and Ray Allen. And we all know what happened to them when they went ahead and beat the, the Spurs. Listen, man. That team got dismantled right after that. The one championship they did win in 2008 was a newly formed Lakers team that just got Pau Gasol that trade deadline. And in the finals, that newly formed team that was like an eight seed when they got him and moved on up when they moved when they got Pau Gasol and Kobe Bryant, when they moved on up from the eight seed up there to an upper seed, by the time they got to the finals, two of their starters were hobbled. Andrew Bynum, who was the second best big man in the game at that time behind Dwight Howard and Trevor Ariza, who was one of the original 3 and D players, were hobbled, they still went six. That's that championship they're holding over. When they got a chance to redeem it, to try to solidify, they, this next year, they lost because KG was hurt. That's their excuse, okay, great. And that year, LeBron didn't even get a chance to make it. They went against um, the, the Magic and Dwight Howard, who I mentioned earlier. And Lakers gentlemen swept them. Even though they beat them in five, those games were all very contentious. But LeBron didn't make it at that time because he needed a squad. And the Celtics didn't make it, as they said, because KG was hurt. Okay. So that next year, they're all healthy. Everybody's healthy. Lakers are healthy. They're the defending champs now. Celtics are healthy. And what do they do? They lose in game seven against the Lakers. So when Doc has had a team, he had a team with Hall of Famers on it. Ray Allen, Paul George, Kevin Garnett, and maybe Rondo if he wins one this year and puts up some great playoff Rondo numbers. What has he really done? Because when he's expected to win, he doesn't win. 
he has to have it tilted heavily in his favor. The only team in the league with a big three was his at that time. Then it became a trend, but they started it. He had the only big three team. He went six games against a hobbled Lakers team who was newly formed. That's his one championship. So what has he really done? I don't know. It's going to be a coaching carousel. Um, he's already rumored to get different jobs, and I, I don't like I think him and D'Antoni should just leave. I think those guys are just overrated. D'Antoni's never run anything, but he keeps getting jobs, and, and Doc has that one, one championship. They need some new blood to come in there. I'd rather have Mark Jackson come back than having these guys in there. How about bringing some more talent from, from down below? Um, you need guys who are really good with, with making adjustments, who's really good at looking at tape. These are the people that you need to have in your front offices making decisions on what to do next. But he's rumored to get some different jobs. We'll see what happens, but I don't think he deserves another shot. Okay, so with that, we do have baseball. Postseason's coming up. Uh, it starts today. After this show airs, you will have those cheating asterisk Houston asterisks against the Minnesota Twins. They'll be on ABC later today at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And then the first round or first game series ends tomorrow evening with the Milwaukee Brewers versus the Dodgers. And that'll be their first game. And that game will be at 7 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN. So we have a slew of games starting today at 11 a.m. Pacific time with the Houston Astros in Minnesota. Then you're going to have several games after that, all starting the um, AL wildcard series. So tune in because everything's been covered on ABC, ESPN, and TBS. So and ESPN2 as well. So tune in, see that, enjoy. And I'm going to take another short break. I'll be back in a little bit. We do not own the rights to this music. A woman. 
slouching is something I won't do. Some think that we can't flow. Can't flow. Stereotypes, they got to go. Got to go. I'ma mess around and flip the scene into reverse. With what? With a little touch of ladies first. My mind expands throughout the universe A female rapper with a message to send The Queen Latifah is a perfect specimen My sister, can I get some? Sure, Moni Love, grab the mic and get dumb Yo, praise me not for being simply what I am Born in L.O. Indio and town American You dig exactly where I'm coming from You want righteous rhyme and I'ma give you some To enable you to age yourself and get paid And the material that has no meaning I wish to play Pay me every bit of your attention Like mother, like daughter, I would also like to mention I wish for you to bring me to the bring me to Of which is now systematically given Desperately stressing I'm the daughter of a sister Who's the mother of a brother Who's the brother of another Plus one more All four have a job to do We do and it respect due To the mother who's the root of it And next up is me The M-O-N-I-E-L-O-V-E And I'm first cause I'm a L-A-D-I-E Contact and in fact the style it gets harder Cooling on the scene with my European partner Laying down track after track Waiting for the climax When I get there that's when I tax The next man or the next woman It doesn't make a difference Keep the competition coming And I recite chapter in verse The title of this recital is Ladies First The mic. The scene is right, the crowd is hype. I expel the whack and those who bite. Why? Cause I'm that type. Swaying with beats 45 King style. He wants me to sing, but I'll swing so meanwhile. A footnote for the opposite sex. Moni rip the mic, I rock it next. Plex, you never catch me at my worst. You get the drift? It's ladies first. That was Ladies First by Queen Latifah featuring Moni Love, old hip hop classic. Um, decided to go there this week. Um, like I told you before, we talked about this before, um, how we gotta put our women first and who's protecting them and that's been the common theme. Well, after over 190 days, we finally got word about the verdict with Breonna Taylor, the, the uh, they did they, the family was awarded 12 million dollars in the civil suit but then and um it's just tough um when we got word from the district attorney that guy about how there's still no justice for our sisters our women still no longer being protected like I said before, being a black woman is like being black twice, being killed in her home. You have people for so long say, say her name, and this man refused to say her name. Who's also an African-American male, which makes it even that much more deplorable. But 
in this country, I guess the only thing that only color that matters is green because he's fighting for political aspirations. But as I tend to get emotional, I, I have some other brothers who can shed more light this, to this story. So take a listen. What's good? My name is Charity Croft. I'm about to explain to you exactly why Breonna Taylor did not receive justice. The Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution reads, and I quote, The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized but upon probable cause. So what is probable cause? Well, according to the interpretation of this amendment by Barry Friedman and Orrin Kerr, probable cause is a certain level of suspicion of criminal activity. So all the police need to bust in your house is to say, I feel like we should bust in their house and then thereafter get a judge to approve that feeling. That's it. So let me be perfectly clear, the invasion of Breonna Taylor's house by police officers as that beautiful black woman laid asleep in her bed was legal. And, and let me use a more specific word. It was constitutional. Why? Well, it's because the founding fathers of this country chose to make it legal, and actually not really. Did you know that when the Constitution was written, there wasn't even any organized police forces as we know them today? Policing in the 18th and early 19th centuries was a responsibility of the citizenry, which participated in night watches. Other than that, there was only a loose collection of sheriffs and constables. So this law of the land that makes it legal for law enforcement to bust into your home while you are asleep was written before there was a law enforcement. In fact, the Constitution was written in 1787. I would like you to consider that the light bulb wasn't invented until 1879. So if you haven't done the math, I'll do it for you. The Constitution of the United States that we still uphold to this day and use for huge court decisions such as this one with Breonna Taylor was written almost 100 years before there was electricity. You seem surprised that Breonna Taylor didn't receive justice as if you have forgotten that when these documents were drafted, Breonna Taylor's ancestors were considered animals. The wealthy white male landowners that wrote this constitution literally wrote it under candlelight. And not to like look cute or set the mood, but simply because candles were the top of the line technology of the day. So when we call for justice for Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, let's be clear about what justice actually would be. Seeing all the officers thrown in jail is cool, I guess, but let's remember that the issues that we are facing are not about individuals, but about the entire system around those individuals. Fun fact, according to the 13th Amendment of that very same constitution, slavery is still legal right now, today. The 13th Amendment reads, and I quote, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for crime wherever the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. That means that if you are a prisoner, you are literally a slave right now legally, constitutionally, right now. So why couldn't we just write a new constitution? 
And before you act like that's some scary, un-American thing that might cause the collapse of our country, I want you to realize that our country is kind of already collapsing right now, and so something like that might actually save it. I want you to ask yourself, why do you think that a document written by a group of only wealthy white men 300 years ago, before women had rights, before black people were considered human, even before there were 50 states, why do you think that a document written with feather pens under candlelight would still make sense in a modern world? Your response may be, Well, it's a living document that has been ratified over the years. The Constitution has been ratified a total of 27 times. To put that in perspective, the Constitution was written 233 years ago. To be exact, it was written 85,109 days ago. And of those 85,109 days, we've only thought that the most important legal document in our nation needed to be edited 27 times. I've been working on my book that I'm writing for about a year now, and in that one year, I have edited it more than 27 times. Why can't we put together a council of people that are white and black and brown and male and female and queer and rich and middle class and poor, and that group can create a law of this land that is actually reflective of we the people? Why don't we believe in America enough to actually work to improve it? And listen, that's just one idea. Here's the point. Justice for Breonna Taylor does not simply look like three officers going to jail because then it is just a matter of time before the next Breonna Taylor happens. Justice looks like the creation of an entire environment in which these type of things don't happen in the first place. Instead of ramming your way into a black woman's house in the middle of the night because you think that there might be drugs, how about we dedicate our resources to undoing the socioeconomic conditions that cause people to sell drugs in the first place? Police are trying to view themselves as warriors fighting against the bad guys, never once realizing that the actual problem is not these individuals, but rather the society that creates them. Justice for Breonna Taylor has never been about one court decision. Justice for Breonna Taylor is about a new criminal justice system. Justice for Breonna Taylor is about a new educational system, a new legislative system, a world in which everybody actually has the self-evident inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, even black women. Um, so the verdict uh, was handed down in the Breonna Taylor case, as such as it is. It is one endangerment, which is right above hunting without a license. It was interesting um, that uh, Daniel Cameron, who is the uh, first black attorney general of the state of Kentucky, spent more time explaining basically himself and explaining the things that affected him rather than to tell us what happened. Uh, he talked about how there are going to be celebrities who've never lived in Kentucky who will make judgments. Oh, really? Is the, is the predicate that you have to live somewhere to make a judgment? Did Sean, does Sean Hannity uh, live in any of the places that he derides? Does Donald Trump live in Seattle or Kenosha or Los Angeles or any of the states that they deride? Did Kyle Rittenhouse live in Wisconsin when he went there and murdered people? So is that the predicate? Don, Daniel Cameron spent more time uh, giving a speech than, he, than those officers will do in time. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And I will say this, Judas sold out, uh, Judas Iscariot sold out Jesus Christ for 30 talents of sin, silver and Daniel Cameron did it for $12 million. And I'm telling you, 
You can say whatever you want to say. Any elected official, particularly the first one, who is the attorney general of a particular state, has higher aspirations. If all aspirations die, uh, rely on keeping the population, the people that put him there, uh, pleased. How unpleased would they be had they decided to indict these officers? It was a placatory gesture given to us in blackface, and we're supposed to take it. I knew that this would be the case. When, that, when I saw that dude shining at the RNC, I knew what would happen. I knew what would happen. This is a black woman whose life was taken. We saw people wear T-shirts. Uh, we saw people march. We saw athletes talk about it. It was on social media. The world talked about it. And they still did what they did. You ever notice how black people are always the number one suspect in their own demise? And we're supposed to, he talked about the, uh, the, the uh, uh, grand jury being a jury of our peers. You know why? They're in secret because they know they're not. They're in secret because they know they'll do things to preserve this, this air of right supremacy that they're not going to be popular explaining. They do it in secret because they know that's how they keep this thing this way. It was given to us with a black face. And what makes me the saddest, the saddest of all, is that all of this, this woman was on Vanity Fair. Do you know how many accomplished black women can't get on Vanity Fair? How many people have, 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 have lived lives and can't get on Vanity Fair? She was on Vanity Fair because of the way her life was taken, and it did not matter. It didn't matter that the world was watching. It didn't matter what people thought. It didn't matter that people marched. It didn't matter that they screamed. It didn't matter they did it peacefully. It didn't matter at all because this was this die was cast from the moment, moment she was born and the moment those officers swore and picked the badge up. This already was going to happen. One of the police officers said that in, a, in an email a little while ago, about a week ago, that they had did the ethical and moral thing because it is ethical and moral to shoot into a house and murder a black woman or murder anybody. This is the constant. This is the more things change, the more they stay the same. What makes me sad is that we have not found a way to protect our women. It is our constant burden and it is a constant slap in the face. You could be home like both of John. You could be home like a Tatiana Jefferson. You could be home like Breonna Taylor and they can still take your life with nobody being pot to account for it. And do not anybody tell me about how black on black crime because those black men who kill other black people, they don't have a system in place to protect them. They don't have a system in place that looks the other way while they do what they do. They are oftentimes tried and jailed. This man probably would do very little time. And this district attorney who acts like it was only in the pursuit of justice they was after, it is not. He clearly had a political agenda. And that agenda is to be governor and possibly even higher officers. And you don't do that by giving black people justice. You know it. I know it. And he knows it. Now, I can't tell you what is in his heart, but I can tell you what is in his action. I can say this, that Daniel Cameron... Uh, I, I hope that you get everything you want. I hope that the marriage that you just had and consummated lasts a long time. I hope it bears you many children. I hope you have the career that you want. I hope that they live long, healthy lives. And I hope that nothing ever happens to one of those black children. And I pray, pray that if something does, that they don't look to a man like you for justice. That's a little note from the GED section. We've got a jazz report coming up in 15 minutes. It's the D.L. Hugo. You see, these are the things that really get me going, and I'm going to try my best to temper my spirit as I try to channel something so I can stay on task to give you guys some information. 
I'm on my soapbox right now because this young woman did not deserve to die and to die for what? $12 million? And the only reason that, that probably even came to be because of the pressures given by the, the, the society, by the community. Don't forget that this case even came to light because of George Floyd a month or so later. Why is that? Because it was not televised. It was not on social media. There was no footage. I guarantee you if there was footage of this carnage, things would be different. Things will be different. It's like a tree fell down in the woods and no one can hear it, but see, it was just too much pressure. They had to do something. Now, when you listen to everything earlier that was stated, yes, so you're looking, let's, let's, let's lay this out. Let's lay this all out. The police come in that state of Kentucky, they have three things that they, at the time, had legal no-knock warrants that could be attained quite easily i might add then you have your stand your ground laws which we all become aware of this law due to what happened to trayvon martin years ago then we have license to carry in that state as well so now you're setting yourself up for a perfect storm because if that was you in your home and you hear someone beating down your door and you asking who it is and they're not saying anything and you are legally you have your legal firearm with you what would you do now me i would have been busted he just shot off one warning shot well they claimed to hit another police officer being the boyfriend her boyfriend at the time he set off one warning shot and because of that warning shot when you have these police officers dressed in plain clothes who never addressed and said who they were. Because if he, obviously if he knew who they were, would he have shot at them? Of course not. Would you shoot at the police? No, you will sit there and be puzzled and bewildered while they're busting on your door. And you will comply so you don't get shot. So with that one solitary shot, they began to spray the building. And it was all said and done. It was pretty much under the, the guidelines of recklessness. And they were, the, the one officer out of the three was charged with uh, the bullets that did not hit her apartment. It hit the neighbors who were white. That's what we're dealing with here. Now let's peel this back a little bit more. Why were they there? They were there because of a man she used to be affiliated with, her ex-boyfriend, if you will, who did not live there, but he was known to visit there and was be there from time to time. And some days or weeks before, they say they spotted him picking up a package from her residence. And based off of those loose facts, quote unquote facts, they were able to obtain a no-knock warrant, even though that was not his legal address. That was not his address. They were able to obtain a no-knock warrant at a home, at a residence of a person who lived there, who had no history, had no 
criminal history whatsoever, nor her or her current boyfriend. She was actually an ENT. She was an essential worker who one day wanted to become a, a nurse. Her mother said a bright light. Her whole family said she was the life of the party, the one who would light up the room with her smile, who would never smile again. What are we doing? Now, you, you can say, oh, well, that at the time, now we have Brianna's Law, look what came of it, and all these other good things. But the reason people cry out for there being no justice, because you say, yes, by the law, they had a warrant, they came in there, and you have people like Charles Barkley with his dumb self saying, well, it's not the same, and, and people need to stop being stupid, and don't need to defund. I'm not going to talk about that right now, because he obviously doesn't read a book, because the only thing is when you say defund the police, it does not mean to dismantle the police. It means to reallocate funds for all the increases of pay they're getting every year, which is obviously not doing anything to help the community. It reallocate the funds to different programs in the community that can help uplift the community to put them in a better situation so that we will need less policing in those areas my mother used to always tell me prevention is better than cure so they're reallocating funds to prevent crimes from happening before they happen to have outreach programs to bridge the gap the, the communication gap between police and the people they police because honestly, if these people knew Rihanna Taylor, they would never be down her door like that. Her next door neighbor, her friend down the street, or her person who goes to her church would not have beat down her door and blew up her place like that. That comes to a lack of what we're talking about here. People policing other areas, places they're not familiar with, where they think everyone's a drug dealer or an animal. Let's peel it back. The warrant may have or may have not been obtained legally based on falsified information. Also, why did the police do when they did the report saying that there was no injury, saying there was no forced entry, falsifying documents, legal documents, even changing the time of their entry? Because guess what? The person they were looking for was apprehended earlier that evening. They wanted to make it seem as if he was apprehended after that event, also falsifying information. You know what? Her life possibly could have been saved if they would have attempted some form of CPR, if they would have allowed her to get some sort of medical attention at the time. So her, her death, <laughs> we needed more than this. This is not even a slap on the wrist. You cannot continue to give guns to people who have little to no training, to people who all you need to, to be able to become one is to graduate high school. Now, you don't have to graduate high school, you can get your GED. Why do we give people that much power? They have the laws that support them to go out and be a judge and executioner on the streets. And it doesn't just happen to black people. It happens to white people too. So I'm not gonna paint that picture. They have these powers, period. And that needs to change. The system needs to change. We're not even talking about uh, the, the, the 13th Amendment, how you can have legalized slaves. And I'm not even getting to all that this week. 
talking about how the system needs to change where you can go ahead and just kill Flano Castillo in his car as he was legal area to, to carry. He lets you know on camera that he is going to reach for the items that you're asking him for and you still lay off bullets in them right there in front of his family. No charges. And the Eric Garners and so forth and so on. No charges. We cannot allow that to happen where these people have no autonomy. They have total autonomy for, for, for what they can do on these streets. They can just kill with no remorse. Some get paid leave. They get a vacation. Hey, kill a nigga, get a vacation. That's what we're telling them. That's what we mean when we say Black Lives Matter because it doesn't matter right now. It has never mattered in this country. It only matters when you're someone of celebrity or someone who's going to entertain you because you know what? You want them to entertain you. You want them to entertain you until we can entertain you. If we cannot entertain you no more, lock them up. Michael Vick got more of a punishment for the dogs on his property that were harmed than these police officers who took this young, beautiful life. Let that sink in. Did you know Michael Vick didn't even run it? He just owned the property and it was his family members. They, they, they made the family members go against him so they can get off. They did plea deals with the people who were actually the culprits so they could get him because it was a bigger name. So we need to get him. They want to make him a poster child. How about making this police officer a poster child? Make them the poster child to say that you can't come into our house and just kill us with no just cause. If, if you believe that any of this stuff was legal, then why did they let the boyfriend off who set, up, set off that shot? Because that is really the justification why they used for spraying that whole building recklessly. It's him set off that shot. He got off, why? Because he did it legally. He was in his legal rights to do that. Because you know why? They did not say who they were. And they did go in there busting down the doors. And they said on the documents that they did. Then they also stated that before that they had a witness, which also the DA said they had a witness saying that they did notify themselves. Why would you notify who you are when you have a no-knock warrant? Makes no sense. And then that person later recanted with the other 11 people who were witnesses saying that they did not notify who they were. It makes no sense. The system needs to change. Time is for change. It's a time for change. The change is now. We are crying for it before it's too late, America. I can see it burn. I can see it burn. Until next time. that's our show this week guys thank you all for listening really appreciate you if you like what you heard please hit subscribe share and like now it's time for our final word strengthen the feeble hands steady the knees that give way say to those with the fearful hearts be strong do not fear your god will come he will come with vengeance with divine retribution he will come to save you isaiah 35 three and four remember to spread love share love embrace love for god is love until next time peace <laughs>